Welcome to Brothers in Song, everyone, where we hope everyone listening to this, we hope you all had a happy bloody Valentine's Day. Come on, man. Are we starting already with that, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? This is this is an egregious missed opportunity because really this this episode should have come out uh, right around Valentine's Day. Instead, we're recording it around Valentine's Day. So uh, it, it won't make any sense, but I just couldn't I just couldn't leave that one alone. I Whoa. I know better, but I didn't do better. <laughs> Well, now, I mean, I guess you're just setting the precedent that are we going to, is your opening uh, going to have to include a pun from, from now going forward? Um, not necessarily. I don't know. I've been, I've been playing around with it. All but, right. Uh, how have things been for you, Joe? Uh, you know, pretty well. I think, Dan, I, I don't know about you, but I think for the first time in my life, I'm really considering not living in the Northeast <laughs> during at least during certain parts of the year yeah I, I you know there's a lot of great things about where we live but uh winter is not one of them i feel like we've been complaining about that a lot on the opening yeah. of the show yeah, I don't know. but yeah. you know between between you know trying to be safe and limit our social interactions and being uh you know involuntarily sequestered in the house due to the weather uh it starts to get to you for uh after a little while for sure absolutely so we're gonna we're gonna trudge ahead and uh move forward with this episode which i think is going to be an interesting one and to start us off of course i have a question for you Mm -hmm. and that question is what is the difference between music and sound art Mm -hmm. where do you draw that distinction and is that distinction even important so to answer the second part of your question first the distinction is very important (laughs) (laughs) in my mind um but i think what what i so when i started to think about this i was like huh i wonder you know where to even begin so i started off with you know the basic elements for me music contains instruments it contains you know and the the human voice is included in that and it usually depicts some sort of story some sort of emotion very intentional what you're trying to do and not to say sound art couldn't do those things as well but I, you know, in my mind, you know, the sound art that I've experienced has been typically in uh, actually art museums primarily. And mm-hmm. it's usually, you know, you're you're entering a room, you have you're surrounded by sound, not necessarily music. And and, and, and I think that you you kind of it's one of those things like, you know, it when you when you hear it and it's trying to evoke a one particular thing from the uh, person experiencing it. And I think that with that, there's a lot of elements that you can incorporate into it that aren't necessarily musical, whether it's, you know, I I think about it as like if you were watching a movie and you weren't actually watching it, you like close your eyes and you have all those sort of like, 
external sound elements that are part of the experience, I feel like that is what sound art can create. Um, but in a very different way from music. Uh, so th those were so just sort of my my initial thoughts. How about you? Do you do you think that it's an important distinction? Do you do you agree with my sort of loose definitions? Yeah, oddly enough, I was having a lot of similar thoughts and you know, given my background in art and having viewed a lot of you know, museum installations uh, invol involving sound and film and other media. You know, I, I think there are certain cases where the distinction is is easy to make. You know, for instance, if you're if you're listening to a sound art piece that is simply, you know, a recording of the sounds of the uh, framework of a skyscraper creaking on a windy day. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Which is which is something that I've actually seen and or or heard in a museum, um, and and I thought was very cool. So you you can kind of you know see the difference between that and some kind of musical composition. Um, but even still, like to me, that's music in a certain way, even if it is you know kind of abstract and and lacking formal sculpture, uh, formal structure. Um, mm -hmm. And I started to think about that as it relates to other forms of art like kind of trying to draw an analogy and you know filmmakers who create gallery installations are still called filmmakers even though they're not you know a hollywood uh director you know creating a summer blockbuster mm -hmm. um you know and painters who throw paint on a canvas using a mop are still painters even though they're not making say like a lifelike portrait or landscape or something and so that raised a question in my mind can creators who make these soundscapes you know with the intentionality that we're talking about still be musicians and i don't know the answer to that question um but it's just kind of one of those like thought experiments that's interesting to think about. Um, no, absolutely. Because I think it can be powerful in its own way, sound art. But I think that it is, you know, it's it's just a different approach to mm -hmm. uh, influencing the human experience through what you can uh, can process through your auditory senses, right? Right. Yeah. And... I think that intentionality is important. Like what, what was this person or people intending when, when mm -hmm. they made this, um, you know, and so, sometimes that's a difficult thing to, to grasp. Um, but I, I think it's fun to kind of wrestle with these questions, even if you don't really come up with an answer. Well, at the very least, you're thinking about something that like for me in this particular case, never really thought about that. And is there a distinction? Why is there a distinction? Is it important? I've experienced both, you know, and now you're just, you know, really taking a closer look at it, which I think is, is always a good idea. Right, right. Um, so that brings us to the, the topic at hand. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think this, this group here is kind of straddling that line a bit. Mm -hmm. um, 
So today we're going to be talking about the 1991 album Loveless by My Bloody Valentine. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the artists that we've been speaking about recently kind of fall into the category of, you know, this needs no introduction. You know, we're going to just give a brief a brief overview and sure. kind of move on. But I think this group needs a little bit more of an introduction. I agree. Um, so My Bloody Valentine are a uh, English uh, slash Irish band who pioneered the uh, the rock subgenre of uh, shoegaze, um, which kind of falls under, you know, the category of, uh, you know, indie rock or alternative rock. And the type of music that's involved in shoegaze is kind of characterized by this ethereal mixture of obscured vocals, lots of guitar distortion and effects and feedback. And the term shoegaze comes from the way that the bands performed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so they presented themselves on stage in a very sort of non-confrontational, non-showy way, like we're just going to stand up here and do this mm -hmm. um, without a whole lot of theatrics. Uh, and often they were looking down at their shoes because their heavy use of effects required them to use a lot of effects pedals with their sure, guitars. Sure. Um, so this album is considered by many to be one of the most influential records of the 90s. Uh, you can hear influence of this album in everything from Smashing Pumpkins to The Cure, Radiohead, etc. Um, Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins told told Spin at, at some point, I, I couldn't get the year, um, but he was quoted in Spin as saying, it's rare in guitar-based music that someone does something new. Mm -hmm. At the time, everyone was like, how the fuck are they doing this? And mm -hmm. of course, it's way simpler than anybody would imagine. The funny thing about this album and kind of one thing I found interesting is that it's one of those albums that was highly influential and my bloody Valentine didn't really do much after that. Mm. Like they had a debut album. This was their second album, which was this huge influence on '90s rock. Um, they spent so much time and money making this record. Then when it was done, their label dropped them mm -hmm. because they used like two dozen different engineers and producers and people and switch studios all the time so they went like way over budget right right label right. dropped them uh and then they didn't make another album until 2013 <laughs> um you know so it kind of falls into that category of like say you know the sex pistols and never mind the the bollocks you know they, they made right, that right. it's it's tremendously well known and influential and that's all they did or the stone yeah. roses the same thing uh, English band who influenced Britpop. So I, I feel like they're in that sort of category. So that was another interesting thing about this album for me anyway. Um, so uh, as we were preparing for this episode, <laughs> <laughs> we speaking of st speaking of studio delays, um, <laughs> we were going to record at one point and Joe sent me a text and he was like, I need more time with this i don't know what to make of this I, I i can't find anything good to say uh and then 
I was tired from doing dad stuff, so I we had to cancel. So now we're finally here talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm really interested to hear, you know, some more detailed thoughts. And you know, were you able to, uh, you know, find any redeeming qualities in this? So this one, I mean, we've done thirty some odd of these at this point. This one was a photo finish, my friend. I almost did not finish it. <laughs> um but i did and i I, in fact i in the extra time because of our scheduling challenges went back and listened to it some more just to be like am i just not giving this a chance or uh do i just need to get more familiar with it and uh the answer is neither of those because i still didn't like it the second time i listened to it (laughs) um I don't know. It's it's it was hard for me to really. Well, he, here's what I will say. You know, because I I I want to make it clear. I always support uh, artists who have a clear vision and are adamantly focused on that vision. And I think that this is uh, an example of that. Um, in your preamble, you you know, highlighted how it was a struggle to get this thing completed. It's not terribly long. It's about 48 minutes, but it took them, I think, over two years to actually get it done. Um, And that was because the group was so adamant about exactly what they wanted it to sound like and all the the different elements that they wanted incorporated into it. Uh, With that being said, it's, I don't know, man, it might just be something with my brain, because I swear, I... I listened to it and the first three tracks and I like had a headache from the mm-hmm. sound. And then I was like, maybe it's cause I have it on, on my headphones, which are good enough headphones. But I was like, maybe this doesn't need to be listened to that way. So I put it on like the real speakers and still I was like, Oh, I don't want to listen to this anymore. <laughs> um, and I think part of the issue is that there's, I think that the intention with with all the repetition of the sounds is to create like this like mesmerizing effect. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's some of the most annoying sounds I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> is that distorted guitar thing that comes in and I, I just couldn't get past it. I couldn't get past it. So, uh, you know, I'm open to hearing what your thoughts are because I hope that maybe you can point me in the right direction you you offered that to me before this episode and i was like no i i i want to save it for the episode i want you to, <laughs> to 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 lead me to uh a better place with this one but it was it was just i, I mean it wasn't for me and it, i just had a real challenge with it Let, let's hear some of your thoughts that can maybe put some shine on my gloom um, <laughs> sure on sure. this one um yeah so First, it's interesting that you say like something in your in in your brain, um, because I think that all of us have the, you know, the capacity to. Uh, to grow as consumers of, of art and, you know, come around to things that, you know, we didn't like before and, and stuff like that for a variety of reasons. And, and this is just my pet theory, mm-hmm. but I also believe that. Through. The, the way you're brought up or just the way like your brain works, there are some things that are just never gonna get through. 
mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and and you can maybe appreciate them on an intellectual level, but it doesn't mean that you want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can so 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 I get that because I mean this is this is challenging. I mean for me like. I'm like, oh, this is the sound of my brain. Like, <laughs> like this is what it's like to be in, in my head with with all, you know, with all of that kind of just like this ocean of sound and the and um, all those like repeated, you know, weird noises that you're that you're talking about and, and stuff like that. Um, and uh, so so for me, it does achieve that sort of um, uh, mesmerizing effect. And, you know, the more the more I listened to it, the more I grew to hear the all the the influence mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. On, on 90s rock. So um, that kind of like ocean of like guitar distortion, um, but also to have like the music underneath be kind of pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, cause if you listen to the, the chord changes and I, I actually kind of wanted to, to look them up because I mean, I was thinking to myself, these sound like a lot of suspended chords mm-hmm. and, and things like that, that you find in things like Radiohead and nineties mm-hmm. alternative music and stuff. So that's, that's all in there. And, but specifically the thing I thought of was, oh, Siamese dream, the album by the smashing pumpkins would not yeah, exist yeah. without this album. Sure. Sure. Um, then after I listened to it and went and researched it, it's like, oh, there, there it is right there. Billy <laughs> yeah. Corgan talking about yeah. it. It's, it's really obvious. It, it, it's, um, it's there. Uh, but um, yeah, but I, I definitely appreciate, you know, I've talked about my my love for metal and, and other forms of hard rock and, and stuff like that. And whereas whereas that kind of music is is you know, it's kind of, it is, is aggressive, um, and like use, uh, power chords to get kind of like the heaviest sound that you can think of. Um, if you, if you sit with this and like really think about how the chord changes sound, it's very pretty. Like it's, it's, I feel like a lot of the stuff could be played on an acoustic guitar and it would be, and and, and it would be good. Yeah, Um, no, I, I, I think you're right about that. And if I may just make one point of clarification, when I say like, I think there's a problem in my brain, what you described, yes, is part of it. But I also think it's possible that whatever frequencies this is, these are, is like mm-hmm. not registering with that part of my brain in a way that is pleasant. Yeah. In the yeah. same way that like some people can't like, uh, like they can't stand the taste of cilantro. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Or um, yeah. I was trying to think of. Or or like, there's just like a particular color that you just like. Like you walk into a house and 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 you you know you're looking to buy it and you walk into a room and you see like this like specific color and you're like, nope, can't even do it. And you walk right out the door. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I I don't have any evidence to back that up. I just know that from beyond my own experience and listening to this. But like, I do think it was like it, it was something that just could, I, I couldn't click with. Um, but I think your point about the influence is really critical because I think a lot of the music that we did appreciate and that we've discussed on this podcast is 
you know, was influenced by this. Um, and it's the, um, it, it's going back to the same idea that we've talked about before, which is music is iterative. There's, you know, this is not my cup of tea, but I do like, you know, I can appreciate Siamese Dream in a different way. And I, and I like a lot of Radiohead stuff and that sort of thing couldn't have been created without, you know, taking this idea and then distilling it through different creative people, you know? Right, exactly. And, you know, when we're done with this, I'm happy to point you in the direction of like specific songs that I that I really hear the the influence on. Um, I mean, Siamese Dream, I mean, pretty much that whole album, um, mm -hmm. you know, the difference being that like. It's more it's more polished and like the compositions are more. Complex and um, and it doesn't. Uh, it it doesn't give you you know all of that volume and distortion and other sounds all at once all the time like mm -hmm. this is doing right right um, right you know so we can do that um, and you know certain Radiohead songs and the other thing that I that I noticed is even though the vocals on this are very much way down in the mm -hmm. mix and mm -hmm. uh you know that was that was another very intentional part of this uh kevin shields who's kind of the you know the leader uh mm -hmm. of the band and did a lot of this recording himself actually um talked about like he didn't like the way a single voice sounded mm -hmm. you know up front all by itself like it had to be a part of the whole sort of tapestry that he was weaving. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of um, kind of dreamy, lazy, breathy vocal. You can hear Billy Corgan singing like yeah, that yeah. at times. And I feel like every like indie rock woman ingenue type of type of vocalist in in the 90s was kind of sounding like that for sure um you know i think of uh hope sandoval from mazzy star which is a very different kind of band but her vocals were very much like that or even like the vocalists from uh you know veruca salt and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you, i could just go on and on about that but you kind of get get the idea um it, so, it really speaks to a particular time, <laughs> is what I'm saying. It does. But I have to say, and this episode, maybe we won't have quite a, a, an exact structure like we usually do, because I feel like a lot of this, these tracks, like they definitely flow into each other. Like it's mm -hmm. hard to distinguish one. Yeah, I mean, there there's definitely like breaks where, uh, you know, one track ends, the next one begins. But the overall feeling is pretty consistent. Um, so can we talk a little bit about the mixing? Cause you just mentioned it. Cause like that was one of my big, uh, contentions with this and I, the way that I think about it, if I can use another food metaphor is like, <laughs> it's like you have this wonderful meal and you have like your main thing, you have your side thing, you maybe have 
a wonderful beverage with you. And they put all of it and they just put it in a blender and then pour it out and said, here you go. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I don't get any of those elements in a clear enough way that I could say, like, oh, I like this. I don't really like that part of it. But I can distinguish them enough that I can sort of pick and choose what I'm paying attention to. Because it all is just, like, a mushy middle for me because of those choices of the mixing. And, and I, and I like, it's documented that was the intention, right? So I, that, that was something I, I had a real challenge with sort of getting past. Yeah, Joe, I, I can definitely see how that would be, you know, an issue not only for you, but probably the vast majority of the music the music listening uh, public, because that's that's absolutely uh, that's absolutely right. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to respond to that. Um, I mean, I, I guess it depends on my mood. If I could kind of like argue with myself, um, the I, I I find a lot of the a lot of the chord changes, you know, kind of have like this pretty you know, bittersweet, uh, you know, quality to them. And it, it, it would really be interesting to hear some of these songs with some more polish on it, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or, you know, redone in a way that's more uh, palatable for the majority of, of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I do appreciate this you know exactly the way it is it does make me wonder you know what it would be like um you know to just to just to hear it in a more you know mainstream form um, yeah I, I i agree that would be kind of interesting because I, I i will say i do agree with you about you know the musical structures are you know not overcomplicated, have some beauty to them. Um, you know, one track, you know, and full disclosure, I was not, this is the first time I've listened to this, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think it's possible that I had heard When You Sleep at some point in my life, because that one did seem vaguely familiar. Uh, and I suppose in passing, you know, if one of these tracks comes along, it 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 grabs your attention in a way because it's so different from what you're used to hearing even on even like if you are listening to like a 90s rock playlist um but it's it's so distinct that you can't help but notice it um but one track that that i did actually you know could <laughs> tolerate uh, uh, <laughs> yeah i i, I yeah, one 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 that I liked was "When You Want," and and that's towards the end of the album. And I think I think it had I think a little bit less of that sort of overwhelming distortion on the guitars, and I thought you know had a lot of of that like melancholy, but but has like a lot of the, but has beautiful elements to it. Um, so that was one that I was like, oh. I I see what they were trying to do here and 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 I can appreciate it. Um 
What about you? Are there any that that really stuck out to you as as ones that you really uh, want to listen to a lot, or, or do they blend together for you like they did for me? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's hard to. Um, you know, the funny thing is, even, even though I liked a lot of this, it's like as we're talking, and you mentioned the title of the song, I I'm on my phone looking at the playlist right. because. There's nothing to there's nothing to remind you of what the title of any of these songs are. So you get you get the reminder like in like the opening riff. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember this one. Like the only one I think maybe the only one that I could name without having to look it up and see which one it was is 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 blown a wish Mm -hmm. because because that that phrase is repeated a mm-hmm. lot in that in that song but the only reason i know that it's blown a wish is because that's the title of the song because the vocals are so just obscured that it really just becomes like almost like an instrumental hook right right, right. <laughs> um but i i did try to write some notes down about stuff um i i really i really like the opener Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just like a '90s. It, it, it's like the '90s on, on on steroids mm-hmm. or something. Um, and I think it's a great opener to the album. It just starts with that that little drum fill, and then, and then just like hits you over the head with that swelling sort of mm-hmm. a, a guitar effect or whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that goes on for a bit, and then. And then it quiets down and you hear and, you know, the vocals come in and stuff um, and it's just more more like atmospheric and um, in in that section. So, you know, I, I feel like that's a good that's a good opener to something like this. Um, yeah, uh, I only said is a good one. I, I mean, I think that's kind of the the most. um you know, uplifting and sort of sweet sounding mm-hmm. song on the album. It, it kind of feels like a good, like a good driving song or that it, or, or that it could be, you know, the part of a part of an indie film, like a, uh, where there's like a montage of, it's like, I don't Zach know, Braff's the lovers driving movie, in right? a car. Or, <laughs> yeah. 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 Something like that. Um, uh, but the, the, those were just a couple of the little notes that I had, you know, because you're right. I mean, and and maybe it should just be taken as as one whole piece. You know? Well, I, I, I it's pretty clear to me. I that was absolutely the intention, right? Like oh, they weren't. Sure, yeah, there, there's no singles on this. I mean, I, I don't recall. No, I can't no, imagine no, there was no. a whole lot that was played of this on the radio. And, and they wanted people listening to it from the beginning to the end and not mm-hmm. stopping. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Um, which again, I you know, I if people have a vision and they and they are true to, true and have fidelity of that vision, then I I can respect that. Um, I guess what so it's funny that you mentioned like the specific lyric of of one of the tracks and you knew it because it was the title of the song. Because I had a real like, and and this again, I, I don't know if they started this or this was just of. A product of the time because 
I couldn't understand any of the lyrics. And and not I, at all. I, I guess it's that's kind of not the point. And and maybe you just have to resign yourself to what what you sort of mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, and that it's just another element of the song. It's sort of the vocal instrument, and take it for what it is and what it can, you know, the colors and textures it can add to the overall sound. Sound. Um, so I, I don't know if you were able to research or had any other thoughts about that beyond just like it's just non-discernible vocal vocalization really right yeah i mean it, at, at a certain point it does make you wonder what the point of it is other than to kind of ground you in something familiar like mm-hmm. in the midst of all of this technology that's that's happening and all of these different like production elements that Maybe having a human voice there kind of, you know, grounds you in in reality and kind of makes it a little bit more like relatable. It's like the structure um, of a rock band, right? Because you got to yeah. have a lead singer, right? Even if it is an indie rock band. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's the main purpose I see it it serving is just kind of like grounding you in something familiar. Mm-hmm. But as far as a compositional element, I mean, really could have been anything. You know, you could replace it with a different instrument or or, or something like that. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. And and it, it, it's kind of a puzzle to me because they were very intentional about so many elements of this. And then to just say, like, well, we're going to have a singer, but we just kind of want the sound element to it we don't really care what they're saying but we are going to have titles and tracks and lyrics mm-hmm. it's kind of like i i don't necessarily agree with that approach like i i feel like if if an album is a novel and you want to like tell a story or evoke certain emotions and you have that element to it to not give it the attention and clarity that it deserves i think it's a misstep i know that's just my opinion yeah i mean i think that is a valid criticism um and uh yeah i'm not really sure i'm not really sure what to what to make of it other than you know think of how think (laughs) if it's possible it would be like even more weird and more alienating without Singing. sure sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i think we've kind of you know s- squeezed all we can out of this at least you know at least for you um <laughs> well can can i ask you one question and yeah. i don't mean to put you on the spot but like because we said it several times and 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 that's about as and, and it's about the guitar distortion and i know mm-hmm. that that's not necessarily the type of guitar that you play all the time, but like, I know there's like a wah wah pedal, but like, there's all these different pedals that you can use, and then like that's what you were referring to in your intro about like the shoegaze, and 
which 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 I should make sure we articulate that correctly because it just sounds like an Italian curse word if you're like saying it quickly. Shoegaze. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> but like shoe is in what you wear on your feet and you're gazing down at it because you're looking at the pedal, right? So yeah. I, I don't know. Do you have any like can you educate me at all on 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 those sorts of elements or it's just like different pedals do different things and you kind of just experiment with it and figure out what you want to do man that's a whole world that i'm not real familiar with mm -hmm. to be honest and um you know sometimes i look at you know I'll watch some videos from like different guitar players or mm -hmm. different youtubes or youtubers or whatever and they talk about you know the different pedals that they use and um you know the different effects that you can that you can get and um um you know one th one thing that i know that that kevin shields was specifically doing is um the guitars that he's playing have one of those um whammy bars or mm -hmm. like tremolo bars sure sure and um like eddie van halen uses that mm -hmm. all the time but what kevin shields was doing is he would actually he would play and strum the guitar while holding on to that tremolo bar mm -hmm. so the guitar is kind of count constantly going in and out of tune which kind of creates the this disorienting effect right um, right right because he never because he never lets go of it and he doesn't use it for like emphasis or you know to uh, you know like like eddie van halen mm -hmm. would and use it you know in in certain in certain areas for certain reasons sure it's sure. like an overall uh disorienting effect that that causes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but yeah if any of our listeners you know, know more about guitar pedals and things. I mean, there's just so much to know and like what amplifiers you're playing through. Sure, and, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even consider that. But yeah, that's got to be a that, And that kind of stuff. And like, I don't know the difference between like amplifiers and cabinets. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just have my acoustic guitar that i play in my house and, yeah, right, right. and play at an open mic once in a while that's pretty much that's pretty much it it doesn't even right. doesn't even plug in yeah um so were there any final thoughts on this anything that you didn't get to say yet so you know for my final thoughts i i really just appreciate their their dedication to a specific vision that they had when they were creating this. And even though it wasn't my, wasn't for me, it just wasn't, but I can appreciate the influence that it had, which I definitely did not realize before listening to this, but, you know, being exposed to it and, and then doing a little bit, bit of research and understanding, um, who else had been influenced by it, I think is important um but man this one was a it was a there's a rocky <laughs> boat ride for me i have to say <laughs> i hear you i hear you um yeah and as far as my final thoughts go um just to kind of 
put a put a period at the end of everything. It's just, you know, art like this is the type of thing you need to move art forward. Right. Um, because because they were, you know, just rejecting so many uh, musical conventions by by doing this. Um, you you kind of need people who are willing to, you know, take that flying leap. Um, mm-hmm. And then others who, um, you know, who learn from that and, and you know, a- apply certain things to more, um, to music that has a broader appeal. Um, you know, it just, it just ends up being better music because of, because those ideas, you know, were, were able, were able to be shared. So, um, and that's kind of the thing that you, you know, that you try to keep in mind when you're, when you're listening to something, uh, that's influential, but you just don't, you know, it just doesn't speak to you. Right. And I appreciate you, uh, to, you know, taking that ride and, um, you know, and the fact that you, uh, uh, played it out loud in your house and subjected your kids to it, I think is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, like, what is this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. So uh, it's going to be your pick up next, Joe. Uh, what are we going to be doing? So we're going to break break the mold a little bit as as inspired by the, by this wonderful piece of work by my bloody Valentine. And uh, we're we're gonna do something a little bit different for our next episode, and um, it's gonna be five songs that made me fall in love with tenors. So uh, mm-hmm. it's gonna be exploring some operatic repertoire that is really just like the best of the best, like blow the roof off places type of stuff. Um, there'll be some people you know on there, probably some people you don't know, but I think it's gonna be a fun ride and. We are going to have a special guest with us for that uh, wonderful episode. So uh, I look forward to talking about it with you, Dan, and I hope our listeners look forward to uh, to hearing it. Uh, yeah, I think that's really going to be a fun one, and uh, we certainly hope you will all join us once again. We appreciate you listeners, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Brothers in Song is written and produced by Joseph Collin and Daniel Collin, and edited by Daniel Collin. To keep up with the latest news, follow us on Instagram at Brothers in Song. Until next time, listen to some new music. You just may surprise yourself.